Shall we begin? Let's begin now. All right, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Frankly Francisco podcast. Today, my guest has gone through a lot in his life. His journey is starting to come full circle. Uh, He has so many experiences. Uh, He's trying to break into the podcast game as well. Um, so I figured I'd bring him on the show so he can, you know, speak his truth and, and let everybody know about his journey. I like to introduce everybody to Tone, also known as Barber Tone, DJ Tone. He's a man that wears many hats. What's going on, my brother? How you doing? Yeah, um, thank you for allowing me to be on this show today, man. I appreciate that. It's it's a blessing, to be honest, to be doing something like this. Uh, it's something that I've always dreamed about. Um, I had dreams about it when I was in prison, you know, but, but yeah, your journey, your journey starts a long time ago, man. So, I mean, you know, as kids, we make, you know, sometimes we make bad decisions and, and we have to pay for those decisions and you pay for your, uh, your decision that you made, um, early on in life. Tell me about that experience, man. What was it like having a, having to face that and having to do time and, you know, what, what kept you going? When you're behind that cell, you know, in that eight by 10, you couldn't move. Like, what was it like for you? What was the experience? When I was, my first experience being locked up was when I was 13. I was 20 years from today. It was 20 years ago, my first experience. Um, what kept me going during that first experience was uh, not not falling behind. Um, not necessarily falling behind, but just being with the same crew, uh, falling in not being a, a chump, uh, making my, my family proud, or standing by who I am, standing by my family name, Sanchez name, that that I had the, the tough guy role. I was always a little guy, but I had to maintain that tough guy role. And it was because I was scared. And that fear of being afraid kept me safe, kept me sane. And not just that, but I also kept it in mind that it this, this too shall pass. I had a good support system when I did go through, when I put myself through the, through the first time. And, you know, I lost my grandfather. That was something that happened to me. He was like a man that helped raise me, helped instill a lot of good things in me. And I lost him during that time. And, you know, I had to stay strong for him. That's something that I kept in, in my mind that I had to stay strong for him. So how did you shift, though? Because you you did time in juvie. So I did. what... What preceded that? Ju- I, I did juvie time and then I did adult time. When I turned twenty, when I turned twenty-one, right, right before I turned twenty-one, a year before that, I was twenty years old. Before I had my daughter, um, I had got locked up. I was arrested for the most pettiest crime I've ever, ever committed. But see, when I was a juvenile, I, I committed a crime. It was, a, it was, a, it was a. I, I, I'm able to talk about it now. I did. A, it was an aggravated burglary. I mm. broke into a, a kid's house that I had trouble with. I didn't really care too much for. He wasn't. Uh, he called me out of my name one time. He called me a spick, and that's a lot of what I grew up dealing with growing up. You know, I was always fighting because I was either getting called a spick. I, I always had to stand up for myself, and I was always a fighter. So, you know. That happened. He called me a spick. I broke into his house. Next thing you know, I'm going to juvie for two and a half years. I got out when I was 17 and a half, 20 years old. I get locked up for graffiti. 
out of all things, graffiti. Really? You know? Yes, yes, yes. See, I've never had good luck. I've never had a good luck when it came to the prison system. I've mm. always, I've always watched people get slip in and out the cracks. But me, you know, never that. Anytime I get pinched, I really get pinched. Wow. And then when I turned 24, I was 24 and I was on on the west side of Cleveland at a gas station. And around that time, I was I was in the streets, like heavy in the streets, not heavy, but I was I was heavy. I was heavy in the streets. I ain't even say I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. <laughs> I was in, I was in. I had my hands in every yeah. cookie jar I could have it in. And I got pinched, man. And they caught me with a good quantity of marijuana and. And and they put me on probation. I, I was lucked up, got probation, but I turned 18 months probation into four years probation because I didn't want to quit smoking, what I'm doing now. Yeah. But you know what? There's a reason why I do this shit. There's a reason why I stand on it because I don't feel like the marijuana is a problem. It's never been a problem. So it's, it's actually been something that I feel that saved me. And there's a reason why that. I used to take Adderall. My mom had me on pills when I was younger. I stopped taking pills. My mom caught me with 250 pills one day in the back. She said, what are you doing with this? And then found a half an ounce of weed was like, what are you doing with this? I'm like, well, this, I'm low key selling it. And then this, I'm smoking it. Cause it, it does the same thing. I found out it did the same thing for me, you know? So I think a lot of people are in the same position you were. A lot of people turn to the to the marijuana as a as a coping mechanism, as a relief. Uh, I mean, it's legal now. I think you just came up in the wrong time because now you can smoke it freely. And in most places, you're not even going to get a ticket for it. You know what I mean? Just, you know, but that's the thing, though. When I got caught up just a few years ago in 18, mm -hmm. I got I had that 18 months probation turned into four years. Boom. After that four years, I got caught with a gun. And then boom, with the gun, I had more drug charges after that because i had drugs and money and guns and yeah i got pinched and then after that they, they said okay we're done with you sentence 30 30 months boom sit down so i sat down for 16 out of those 30 i got my my uh my judicial release i said okay i got ptsd i got epilepsy because i used to have seizures as a kid i was diagnosed and i said let me go ahead and get my medical marijuana license it's legit here in ohio if a doctor said it's cool, I should be able to get it. So I got it. A couple months down the road, nine months later, judge was like, nah, I can't do that. You, you, I'm I'm a drug court judge. Do you understand what that means? I, I stand on no drugs. So he said, I don't when was the last time you had a seizure? I was like, sir, does it really matter? I was diagnosed as with epilepsy. Last time I had a seizure was when I was 16. Does it really matter though? It shouldn't matter because I'm still diagnosed with that. PTSD, right. uh, paperwork, whatever the case may be. I was here, paper, 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 paper. And he didn't care. He, he wanted to lead. He wanted to show that he wasn't no, like he wasn't a stand on that. Yeah. And it, it, I understand where he was coming from. But at the end of the day, you lock somebody up that was just smoking weed versus a, a pedophile that gets locked up and let's go after a year later and they're back in the same neighborhood having to register. Yeah, but they're still doing the same thing. They let them people get away with murder, but then the drug dealers and the people that deal with drugs, they get slapped ahead of time. Or if you're not a drug user, if you're, oh yeah, oh yeah. The system is so crazy. If you're not a drug user, a hardcore drug user, you don't get the help you deserve. Because I, I, they said, we want you to go try, try out for this, this program. It's called TASK. We want you to see if you 
qualify to get help with your problem addicted to marijuana, dealing with my problems, period, my problems. They said I couldn't qualify because it was just marijuana. It wasn't heroin. It wasn't crack. It wasn't cocaine. It wasn't speed. It wasn't meth. It was nothing hard. Never did nothing hard in my life. No? So the system always tries to make things harder on people than it should be. Um, I mean, in your situation, it seems like you just got caught up, you know, in situations that you were just trying to find relief for. And, you know, the the justice system, especially in Ohio, man, it's, it's on another level. People don't understand the griminess of Cleveland, Ohio. They don't understand how, how I mean, like people think New York is hood. Cleveland is very hood, too. You just have to know where to be and, and, and you know, what corners to be in to experience that. Um, I remember when I first moved there in 96, man, it was 16 years old. Cops were walking up and down the block where I lived at with shotgun. You know what I mean? They had the ghetto bird out. They don't do it anymore because they can't afford it to have it out. But that bird was out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people don't understand, like, the, the Cleveland life ain't no joke. Like, people think it's a joke. They go, oh, well, Cleveland, go on to Cleveland, start running your mouth, uh, especially on the east side, on Kansas. See what's going to happen to you. You know what I mean? People don't, and on the west side, too, don't, don't get it twisted. Store, Clark area. Like people don't understand, <laughs> you understand because you 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 still yeah. there, you know that life. So a lot of people get a misconception about wh- where you know what Ohio is and what Cleveland is, and think that there's no gangsters there. There's there's thugs and gangsters in in Cleveland. People Man. need to realize that. And I understand that you had to grow up in that that kind of environment. But when you did your bid, and you were in there. What were the steps you took to turn yourself around, man? What was the thing that helped you focus while you were behind those bars for that for that long a time? This 30 months that I have faced um, this last time around, it was uh, more so I was making a transition before that. Mm-hmm. I was making my transition before I got my 30 months. I was going to I was going to go sign up for school. And then when I got the 30 months, they sentenced me. They was like, we're going to just delete all of this and just sentence you to 30 months. I was like, man, then I went down and I said, you know what? I'm tired of being in the same position. I'm tired of not having and having to hustle so hard and, and, and having to hustle breaking my neck. I don't break my neck doing this right here. You know, I don't have to break my neck doing this right here. Picking up a pair of clippers, I'm I'm doing the same thing as a as selling us a, a, a bag of weed. I'm I'm selling you a haircut. And I said to myself in jail, I said they put me in a barber shop because mm. my boy he gave me a pair of machinas. He gave me a pair of they're called off uh, with Noroco, beard trimmers, something that you do with beards. I mean, it's only four settings on there, and I had a comb, and I said I could do this. My dudes, my nut, my bunkie was like, Leo, line me up. I said, all right, bet, line you up. Boom, 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 put them together. With just beard trimmers, you walked out of that bathroom. Everybody was like, man, I'm, yo, you did that? Yeah, I did that. Well, I need you to do me next. I got a visit coming up on, on Sunday. Well, I got you. Lo and behold, I, I'm sitting there doing four or five heads in the bathroom. And this is a constant traffic. So they're the COs are getting mad at me. They're like, what are you? <laughs> doing <laughs> like what it, are they paying you i'm like nah you can't you can't say that you can't say yeah they're giving me snacks that's trading barter that's right barter. yeah yeah you can't you can't do that so no nah, they're not paying me man get out of here you, you're not getting paid for this i'm like no nah, we, we about to get you in the barbershop so you go ahead and get a couple dollars so you know they allow people to go ahead and come in come with the three dollars the occasional three dollars in food commissary and then I had the opportunity to go cut the CO's hair one time. Nice. And now that, that, that kind of gave me a different perspective because it's like now I'm, I'm dealing on, a, it, it got professional for me. 
That's when it were my like first taste of professionalism when it came to barbering came into effect because I wanted the CEO to always remember this cut. I wanted him to remember the experience that he got from an inmate, <laughs> not somebody in the street, but right. an inmate, somebody that if since you're an inmate, you look, I'm an inmate, you looking at me like, man, you dangerous. You're a criminal, you this, you that, but I'm a criminal that just made you look good. I'm somebody that just made you look good. I, I made your day. In fact, I made your wife look your way. <laughs> and they, you know, I'm pretty sure he went home and then his wife was like, oh my God, babe, what are you, what's wrong with you? You can't be going, you can't be doing that. Coming out That's of prison. Funny. You know what I'm saying? That's funny. So that first experience for me, it, it, it helped open my eyes. And then I had a, a, a friend, his name, he goes by the name of Yankee. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's the one that kind of was my mentor in LA. Uh, Lemanuel, uh, first name Lemanuel, we called him LA. And um, both of those dudes, Puerto Ricans, one, he didn't speak a lick of English. Mind you, I grew up in the streets of Cleveland around black people and Puerto Ricans. Majority of them didn't speak Spanish. The ones that I grew up with, I grew up on the east side of Cleveland. Right there, it tells you right there. I ain't grow up speaking Spanish. So it was, you know, it was hard for me to communicate with LA, but he also helped me with my Spanish. He helped me when it came to cutting hair. Yankee, he helped me when it comes to God, making guidelines and hairs. I never started that until he did it. Um, the, the, which way to go with my wrist, the motion, I learned in there. That was my, so like right now I'm in school. I'm not learning in school. All I'm doing is repeat, repeat, repeat. So I'm, I'm getting better. All this is, is I'm, I'm sharpening my skills. They yeah, repetition. Me, yeah. They just gave me the, 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 like I'm a blacksmith right now. And they just gave me the, the whole setup and the whole kit and caboodle. Now I got the, the whole the whole world to, to deal with now. I'm cool with that. Yeah. So essentially you got your apprenticeship while you were in prison and now you just getting certified by the state because without it, you know what I'm saying? You can't do what you need to do. But the best part is though, what you're doing is one of the most honest professions there is, is barbershop, is, is being a barber, man. Everybody needs to get their haircut. So what was the regimen for you like every day, day in and day out? Did you, how'd you start your day did you start your day out in the morning? You go get breakfast. Did you do your workout? And then you go into the barbershop. What was your regiment from the time you they got put up me to in the, the barbershop? After they put me in the barbershop, I, I actually was working out every Sunday after that. It was just Sunday, once once a week, Sundays. But every day I woke up at 11. I didn't wake up for breakfast. I got up, made myself a cup of coffee. Mind you, I don't go to, I never went to the child hall. The day that I stepped into my main facility, I said to myself, I don't need to go to that child hall. I could order my food from a box. I got my Bustelo coffee. I got my sugar that I, you know, paid my dude for to bring me some from the chow hall, brown sugar at that <laughs> with the coffee. You know, so I'm good. You know, I, I was taking care of myself. So every day at 11 o'clock, the barbershop, I opened it up. I got up at nine, got my coffee ready, made my little oatmeal, whatever our case may be. You know, opened that door up at 11 o'clock, didn't stop until four o'clock. Four o'clock came around, 4.30 count. Five o'clock, I'm off the rack, whatever the case may be. I'm making calls to my, my baby mama, or I'm calling my daughter. I'm calling my mother, checking at home. Or, or I got my tablet. I, most of the time, I was in my music. Most of the time, I'm in my tablet. And then, and then even if that, 
while I'm not in the barbershop, I'm in the barbershop watching my dude cut hair, talking with him. We got the Spanish music playing. We got salsa playing. They knew when we was in there. They knew when a Puerto Rican was in the barbershop because we had <laughs> the Spanish music. The CEO literally had to come to the door. He said, you know what? I ain't even going to tell y'all to turn it down because it's hard to tell a Puerto Rican to turn it down because we don't know how. You know, so he was like, I'm just going to close this door, make sure there's not too much traffic in here. and Y'all just have a nice day. <laughs> the barber to me, the barbershop is the safest. It's a safe space for men. We go there. We can talk how we want to talk. We can be ourselves without being judged. It's one of the safe. I think I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, now people are because, you know, they got all these shows out now where they, you know, they're doing the stuff from the barbershop. But this stuff been around for for ages, man. It's been it's been a beacon for men to go in and just relax and be themselves, talk shit, talk about sports, things of that nature. But for you, when you were locked up, you avoiding the, the child hall, was that a way for you to avoid getting yourself into problems? Nope. It was a way to avoid of normalizing that it was okay to eat that bullshit. Okay, I got you. Uh, I'm so sorry that I had to you know, say it like that, but it was not okay. That's not okay. They fed us food that is, was not supposed to be fed to humans. You know what I'm saying? You feeding this horse, horse oats. You giving us apples that they feed cows, they feed horses to. That's the type of product they, they were giving us. So the low graded food, the chemicals they were giving us, I'm cool. I'm not. I don't want that. So and then not just that. I'm not gonna. Uh, what's that? It's a word that I'm, uh, where you get used to being in prison. What's that? What's that called? Institutionalized. Yeah. See, I'm not that. Never could be. Even when I was young, I've been, I've been in and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah. I should be institutionalized, right? Right. I am in a certain way, though, because I came home from prison. Mm -hmm. I went straight into school. So I went from one institution to the next institution. All I'm used to is a schedule now. That's all I'm used to. I'm used to a scheduled time. But I'm used to still doing what the hell I want to do during that scheduled time. So that's the thing. When I was in prison, I did what I wanted to do, not what I had to do. The CEO said... Go clean that up. No, I didn't have to clean that up because I didn't make a mess. I didn't. I stayed out the way. I stayed out their sight, out of sight, out of mind. You ain't got to pay no mind. Then I, I also worked third shift quarter. That's a third shift job. I'm up all night. So I, I'm in one CO's space all, all night. He's cool. He's letting me kick it, make my food. Then during the day, I'm sleeping. Then I'm, I wake up, go to the barbershop. I ain't got to deal with nobody. I made it to the point where I ain't had to deal with nobody. So a lot of people don't get that lucky, though, man. You got lucky in, in, in the way things worked out for you for that, because a lot of people don't they can't go that route. You know, sometimes, you know, you hear stories, you know, how people are forced to join cliques and behind bars to, you know, just, you know why, though, because they went to a level two. They went to a level three. I'm a, I'm a drug dealer to so the system. I was a drug dealer. So they don't put take me to a camp because that's what uh, happens. They, they gonna put me in the camp. They say we gonna put them in the camp. Plus my age played factor i i just barely made that age bracket where i'm 30 years old i'm not 29 if i was 29 i'm going to a level two now i'm going to the real jungle the jungle jungle even though i spent some time in some places like that mm. but i was i was lucky enough and blessed to get the opportunity to go to a camp and so i had the opportunity to put my feet up and didn't have to worry about politicking with all the gang members and all and being 
doing all of that extra shit. I had time to focus on me, time to think about me and what my next move was. So let me ask you a question. Most people that go behind uh, go behind bars uh, end up finding religion. They find God. Did that happen with you? I found, I found my higher power. And I'm not going to sit here and say I found, because I don't, I could say God is Allah. Mm-hmm. Allah is God. Buddha's God, but I did do my shahada. I did do my shahada. I, I accepted, you know, the Muslim culture. I accepted the Muslim religion. Why? Because there was something there that I was also looking for, something I needed to learn, a lesson that I needed to learn, something I needed to hear. So I'm multi-religious. I would say I'm multi-religious. I just don't believe in one religion. I believe in all religions because they all revolve around one God. <laughs> It's an alpha and that's all make it. You know what I'm saying? That's all it is to it. There's one God, man. I, I'm not, I don't get caught up in all the Allah and Muhammad and Jesus. Yeah. I know the story. I, I do have, I do believe in that we were all born Muslims. Because, you know, look at the history, look at the books, look at the pictures of Mary. She never had her, her head unveiled. Does that tell you right there? I'm saying she was, she had her head always covered in a hijab. She, she, you know, just stuff like that that you know make me believe. I only go by sight, not what I'm hearing. Believe, I, believe half of what you hear and what they say. I, like I forgot how it goes. Believe half of what you hear and you know half of what you see. Yeah, like that. So nobody's perfect, man. So I mean, I mean, if if you if you believe, you know what you believe, in it, and it gives you faith. And you have faith. Faith is what people need, man. Faith helps get everybody get by, uh, you know, in tough times and when things are not faith, going well. But see, the thing is, faith is how it's being this. Faith is all about this. Knowing that tomorrow's a better day. Tomorrow will be a better day because guess what? Once I close my eyes and wake up, it's all brand new. I can start over. I got, I got ways to do things different than what I did tomorrow. As long as you keep that in your mind. As long as you keep tomorrow's to be a better day, you'll be all right. So let's forward, let's forward 30, let's forward 30 months. Transition, getting ready to come out. What were the steps for you? What, what did you have to do? What was the transition like stepping out, stepping out behind from behind that cage back into uh, the real world? I had to do six months and a half rounds. And that was uh, the biggest it was a hard transition for me going from a half from prison to a halfway house. Um, because I was, I wasn't able to eat like I was used to eating. I fed myself in there. We didn't have the luxury at the halfway house. Like I did in prison that I could go to, to the microwave and next to the microwave. There's 190 degree water that I could just drop it in my soup and I could instantly make my soup or they got the, we got the industrial microwave inside of prison where we could cook our meals in. Mm-hmm. At the halfway house, we had a, a regular home microwave that's just basic home, you know, just cheap microwave. So really, uh, we're burning food, we're eating, we're eating canned food. That you can't bring no groceries in there for nobody. You, you can't order food. You can't order food every day if you wanted to. Um, you're forced to eat Airmark food, and Airmark food is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Airmark is capitalizing on all prisons right now. They Are, are they? Yes, they're monopolizing on all the prison foods. If it ain't a, pr- a private prison, 
air marks in there. Air so, markers in there. So did you have a regiment in the halfway house as well? Was there a schedule that you had to keep? In the first week, I had to do a couple classes, but I knew before I got, I got to the halfway house, I needed a job. So I said to my pops, he's a window contractor. I said, well, we need to work something out because you I ain't about to be stuck in there. And I ain't about to be stuck working at these places, at these factories, doing steel, working these steel play. Uh, no, no, we're not doing that. I'm used to do, putting in windows. So my dad was like, you know what? I'm going to do you a favor. We're going to get you out here. We're gonna, I'm going to get you working. We're going we're gonna to get your stimulus checks. We're going to put the stimulus checks on the books as you're paying yourself. So from now on, every time you come out, you're paying yourself. Your money is going to be circulating. So I kept my money in circulation. I just $1,000 kept me good for six months. Nice. For four months. You know what I'm saying? I, I kept that money. Every time I paid myself, I'm getting my that money right back and I'm putting it right back in there. So then I got the motion of coming in and out, out of there. So I was finessing too. I was <laughs> finessing, you know, coming in and out, bringing my clippers in and out of there, cutting hair. I was in there all night to three o'clock in the morning cutting hair every time I came back from anywhere I had to go. If I'm coming, I'm coming from home. I had to go back to the halfway house. I come right into the door. I got six people waiting for me, just a haircuts. Now there was no time frame like in in when you're locked up, you know, you lights out at a certain time. So there was nothing like that at the halfway house then. Nope. You're up four to five to six o'clock in the morning. You got your TV. You can't have a phone in there, unfortunately. But I mean, I was luckily to uh <laughs> so you know, wiggle and know some people that know someone that, that's on the second floor that so happened to help me out, you know. Shout out to him. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I, I, I'm glad you're, you're at that point now where you feel comfortable enough to talk about this stuff, man. Because even, you know, some people who have PTSD, they can't talk about this stuff, man. Your mind is open and free. You're able to speak freely about this stuff, which I think it's a story, man, that has to be told. And people have to hear these experiences, man. People want to hear this stuff, man. They want to know what that life is like. So when you finally got out six months later at the halfway house, were you already enrolled in Barber College? I was, as soon as I got to the halfway house, I said, I need to get to barber school now. They said, well, you can't do that until you get these classes, these classes, these classes. I said, all right, I made sure I did that in the first three days. First three days, I was out the door by the fourth day. I said, okay, signed up to school. School came came by. They said, okay, we're going to give you a month to, you know, they gave me that month. I got in, I, I did my, my orientation for school um, and I messed up. I messed up my first week of school. I had to miss nine days of school. Wow. First nine days of school. Why? Because I was trying to, I, I, I caught myself going backwards and I was hustling. Uh. I, I went back to the mode of where I was before I got into the mindset of this is what it is, this haircut, this, this is enough. Instead, I wanted to go for more. So, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to get what I wanted to get in there as far as some good green. And that's all I ever messed with, you know? Yeah. And and I got pinched. They caught me coming in with a North Facebook bag full of cigarettes, black and miles. And, oh, man. It's tough, man. <laughs> it was an ugly situation, but I was lucky that it wasn't enough for them to sit here and say, well, we're going to send you back to, a pri- to the prison. Plus, it was such a short time. I had seven days in the building, seven days left at that time. They're like, man, we, we ain't even good. About it. We're going to hold you in the building for this next seven days. You miss seven, your first seven days of school, you can make it up. Whatever. Don't worry about it. 
That's their that was their mentality. We're just gonna hurry up and get you the hell out of here. But you got a second chance though. But you got a second chance. Like I, did that point did it click? Like I can't mess up anymore, man. I'm 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 giving something away that I've been fortunate enough to get. It didn't click it slapped me. It slapped you. Slap me. I thought, I mean, I thought just being locked up and during COVID, it did it did not change out of me. I got no more change in my pockets. I got no more change in my pockets. I am changeless. If a, if listen, if a homeless man asked me for a quarter, listen, bro, I left it back in prison because that they knocked nickels out of me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what all of that. I, and then when I got hit with that seven days, had to stop going to school for seven days, I was like so excited. And then all of a sudden, boom, hold on. Slay your rope, pimping. You thought you was slick. That was God. That was my higher power, mm. Allah, telling me, yo, what you doing? I'm a pro- I'm providing you with enough right now. Why is you doing? What is you doing? I was making enough in there. I was making more than enough in the halfway house. I didn't need to do any of that bullshit. I just wanted to. I just wanted to do it to keep to keep my my thing going for myself. You know, it's just you know you got a habit. You got to keep up with it. And smoking smoking marijuana is my habit. That's how, yeah. that's my habit. You know. So what was it like first time in uh, barber school? What was the experience? Because you were already cutting hair behind. You was already cutting hair behind bars. You was already doing that. You already had. You was already taught. You was an apprentice while you was there. Mm-hmm. What what's the difference though? Because there's a big difference between what you're doing, what were you doing in prison, and you at the barber college? Because it's a whole different thing. It's like you have to learn essentially medical stuff too. Because the you know the hair, everybody doesn't have the same type of hair. Everybody doesn't have the tape, same type of structure on their skull. Yeah, that's what it. That's what I basically came to contact with. I had to learn about shears. I wasn't proficient with the shears. I never even used shears. I never used detachable blades. And those are the Osters, 76s. And those those come right up off the uh, clippers. And then you could make it, the guard either one, two, three and a half, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. I learned how to cut with those. I learned how to cut with thinning shears and regular shears. I never knew how to do that. So just me, that's what I went to school for. I went to school to learn that and the medical side of it. Because I know how to, I know the motion of cutting with the guards. I'm not a guardsman no more. I'm not a guardsman. I'm a swordsman. That's what I, that's how <laughs> I, like I look that. at yeah, it. Yeah, that's pretty you know? cool, man. I like that. I like that yeah. saying. Because yeah. if you just, you just, you got those guys that are basement barbers. I'm in my basement. I'm a barber in my basement. Yes, but I use my shears. You got people that don't know how to use shears. You got people just, just cutting hair and giving people hot tapers and just leaving all this bulk up there. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. But I, I listen, you should be you should be proud of yourself, man, because you are on a path where you are going to accomplish the things that you've been working towards, man. You've you gone through a lot, man. You have your experiences are crazy, man. Just for as young as you are, because you are still young, the experiences you've gone through, it's made you it's made you better, though. I believe it's made you better. And it's it's gotten you to a place now where I think you you seem like you're more at peace with your life. You're still going to struggle. We all, I'm, I'm 42 and I still struggle, man. We're all going to struggle. But it seems like you're in a better place than when you were, you know, all that time ago, man. You know, you're not as angry anymore. You used to be really angry, man. And it's it's not, I don't see it as, I don't see it. I just see you as more just, you let stuff roll off your shoulders now, man. I do. Because as, as I got, another thing, another thing that I hope, that helped me get to prison is that 
I don't give a fuck mode. Excuse me when I say that, but it is the I don't give a fuck mode. You have to have that because if you don't have that, you're going to care about everything that happens around you. You're going to get aggravated at everything that goes around you. You got to have that. It is what it is. In life, when somebody gets to that point of what it is what it is, that person has mastered their own person, who they are. They have mastered the creation. They, they mastered the, the, the art of keeping calm and keeping themselves together, even though in their mind they're going crazy. They're like, oh, my God, what in the hell is they doing? <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like, oh, oh well, fuck it. What do you have lined up for yourself, man? You graduate in July, so you're going to get your bar, officially get your barber's license and then get state certified. What it, What do you have lined up? Do you, are you going to get a chair with somebody? Are you going to do your own thing? Are you going to have your own shop? How are you going to work had, that? I've talked to a few people about their shops. Um, I've talked to Dre at A's of Fades. I've talked to, I've talked to Tim at iFix Ugly. I've talked to my boy Vance at Authentic Cuts. I've I, I'm, I'm dibbling and dabbling right now. I'm going to a, a, a formal dinner on March 20th um, held at the uh, Mallorca's and it's going to be for barber shops owners only. And I got formally invited to this. Nice. And I'm not even a barbershop owner. I'm not even graduated from barber school yet. This is just an event that I'm going to go to because I see it as more of an opportunity to find somebody out there. I'm, right now, I'm just a I'm I'm a can I'm in I'm in college right now. I'm shooting hoops. I'm or or I'm in the, you know I'm in the what what NAACP right now. And they they looking at me. They looking at the stats. They looking at me. They like okay, you looking good right now. I'm, I'm about to be an open agent coming July. So whoever wants me, they could get me. They just got to come with a good deal. Well, if you're getting if you're getting invited to dinners like that, that means people are already thinking highly of your work. You don't get invited to to things like that, especially if you're not an owner, if they don't think highly of what you're doing. So mm-hmm. networking is the key for everything, man. Networking is the key for everything. Now, remember, man, once you get your chair and you get your business up and running, you got to start that LLC, man. You have to start that business. Account. I think that's going to start before that. I'm, 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 I think that this next check I get from school, I'm dropping the LLCs and I'm about to do my T-shirt. I'm not. Then that's when I could push my product. Then that's yeah. when I could push this. I could actually push it. And where you say, "Hey, I want to buy this," and here, here you go. This is yours. You buy. You bought it. This, I yeah. got more product for you, and I got a business that I could go ahead and claim on, and et cetera. You know what I'm saying? Build on that. But I do have people like my brother behind me trying to help me. Well, you have a lot of people that don't know when you're a barber, you're an independent contractor. A lot of people don't realize that. I think you work yes. for a barbershop. Unless it's a corporate barbershop like Supercuts, <laughs> where, you, you know, it's it's you get hourly rate. Nine out of ten times, you're going to be an independent contractor. And, and barbers, a lot of barbers need to realize they need to start an LLC, man. You, you have to. It's going to be the best way to protect your assets that you're making. Um, I talk like this with you because I've, I've known you for such a long time man, and, you know, I'm in business banking. So I want to make sure that you, you know, you have everything you need and you're ready because I, I see the future for you and it's bright. I see you moving up and doing things, eventually owning your own spot, man. I think that's the end, yes. goal, end game for a lot of barbershop owners. They want to own their own spot. They want to be a brand and you want to build that brand. And I see you moving <laughs> towards that. It's not a, just a brand for me. I want my daughter to have something. It's, I want my daughter to have something. I want her generation to have something because I want my barbershop to be a pillar, something where these kids could come to and I could provide for them. These kids, there's kids in the streets that say 14 years old is coming to a barbershop saying, hey, I want to learn how to cut hair. 
Okay, now I could turn into Mr. Miyagi and I say, wax on, wax on these floors and, and then we could get the learning, you know, and start teaching people. And, and, yeah, step you know, by step, man. It's step by step. Things, it, things take baby steps sometimes, man. It does. It takes baby steps and it can get frustrating, man. It can my get biggest, frustrating. See, my biggest inspiration to become a barber and not just that, it was because barber, being a barber goes deep as a Puerto Rican, as a Puerto Rican. Why I say that? Because one of the, a nationalist, and I for, I can't remember his name right now. It's on the tip of my tongue. His barbershop was very, very, very famous in Puerto Rico. It's called Salon Boricua. This man had a four to six hour standoff with national with the National Guard and Army. He was a nationalist that fought for the freedom of Puerto Rico when the, when the U.S. was you know undergoing. Puerto Rico, when they were mm-hmm. taking over Puerto Rico from Spain, and his barbershop was a pillar. Everybody went there for everything. Everybody went there for groceries. Every, I'm talking about everything. This was like the bodega of the neighborhood. <laughs> so that's why I did it, because I want my shop to be that bodega of the neighborhood. Yeah. I want everybody to come there. I want it to be where I remember when I went to the bar, my first time going to a barbershop in New York, it was the most litest thing ever i was like seven years old going into this barbershop and, and in new york everything was bigger you know i was little you know and yeah. i'm still little but i was seven years old so i was even littler you know <laughs> everything seemed so big and so bright so and, and i fell in love with it i fell in love with barber in that that's when i fell in love with it i remember that new york made me fall in love with barber so it's been it's been in your blood for a while man you already got the experience it just needed it just needed time to manifest this stuff and come out you had to go through the trials and tribulations that you've gone through in order to get you where you are now which i think you know some everybody has their own journey they have to they have to go through and you went through yours and you're still going through yours you're not done your chapters are not done you're still writing your man. book man i said i said it, wow wow you just blew my mind that you just said that because you know what from one, from the age of one to ten, that's your first chapter. Ten to twenty, that's your second. Twenty to thirty, that's your third. Right? I'm on my fourth chapter right now. Yeah. And this chapter, I'm in. A, I'm, I'm going to the middle. I'm 33. I'm on my way to the middle of this chapter right now. And man, I tell you what, this chapter, this chapter is good, man. I love it. Hey, I gotta say something, man. I'm kind of jealous of your beard, man. I can't. I'm 42, man. I can't grow a full beard, man. I can't. Like it'll all come in here. It'll come out down here, but it'll come in patches here, man. It just won't come out. There's you know what a saying? secret. What's that? I have a se- my secret is it's called Express. Express. It's a, yes, Express. It's like Beijing, but it's not Beijing. It's, it's a temporary dye. And 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 I all I do is highlight the you know I just highlight my lineup. That's all I'm doing. I'm highlighting my lineup, making it more look more full. Yeah. More. Nah, I can't of even course, do that. All this, of course, all this is real. You know, all this. I can't even do that, year. man. Like when I, it literally just comes in and patches right here. It won't even come in though. No, I can't even grow a full beard, man. So, like, I just got to give you props on that, man, because I can't Thank even you. get it there, man. Can't even Thank get you. it there. <laughs> but listen, man. Um, what what plans to let everybody know where they can find you, man? What are your socials? Um, I have a, my IG is uh one two three the barber J U A N two you gotta spell it out two T W O three you know the barber um uh, Facebook you can find me under Juan DJ Tone Sanchez uh I, I got a TikTok as well I just I, I'm kind of booming right now on the TikTok side uh it's also one two three the barber on TikTok so you can spell it out Juan and then put two, three. It's a little different, you know. 
my friend, my friend actually gave me that at school. One of my the, one of the only Puerto Ricans at the time that went to school, he gave me that name. He's like, man, it's Juan Two Three the Barber, man. What other projects do you have in the works besides uh, the Barber? You are planning on launching your own podcast, correct? Podcast, I definitely plan on that. I'm I'm in the works right now. I'm going to see my boy about a studio. He's got all the whole works, the whole get up. He just wants to fill the the place in. He wants to put able bodies in there. I'm trying to bridge the gap between the West Side and East Side barbers. And that's another thing. I'm I'm, I'm working on a a product, a a t-shirt that has to do with that. Nice. You know, bridging the gaps yeah, between yeah. the south side and the west side and the north side and the east side. You know, I'm a bridge that gap. Yeah, people don't understand like the people don't understand what the racial tensions were in Cleveland between Puerto Ricans, blacks, Arabics. Like they, they don't people don't realize how bad it was. They don't understand the beef. You know, <laughs> the beefs that went on between between those races. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's if for, for us being Hispanic. Look, let me. And this is what this is why I feel proud, man, because we're we're behind the eight ball already. You know what I'm saying? Being Puerto Rican in this country, we're not like I said, we're not dark enough to be, you know, running with the black crowd and we're not light enough to be running with the white crowd. We're stuck in the middle. So we have to create something of our own. And I think our culture has has done a good job of doing that. But when you see our people uplifting themselves from nothing from, you know, from nothing, from getting ourselves up from what people think we couldn't be. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's us writing our own future. It's us creating something that they said we couldn't have. Mm-hmm. And I think if we all stay on that path, man, I, I think we'll be successful moving forward. For sure. That's that's a definitely if you just got to stay on course, man, it's one foot in front of the other. I just told it. I just told a kid that today at the juvenile center when I went and um, here you go, mom. When I went to the juvenile center today, I went and cut some heads up at the juvenile center. And um, these kids were in there 15 years. One kid was in there, he's facing 15, the other one's facing five. And I'm wow. like, listen, man, you have to get out of this. Stop trying to follow your friends and fit in and just put one foot in front of the other because you could do this. You can do it because I did it. I was just 20 years today, 20 years ago, I was in juvenile in prison. And it's blowing my mind that I was just in there today, but on the opposite side. Yeah. Oh, man. It was just a mind-blowing situation being back in the juvie center um, 20 years later, being on the opposite side of that. I flipped the roles. I was just, my brother was the one, my oldest brother, God bless him, he had passed away back this this last uh, October from uh, COVID. Sorry to hear that, man. Um, Thank you. And, um, he came to see me. He went, he went there. He was real big in the church. He came there to see me and talked to me when I was in juvie to, to try to change me, to try to change my thinking. And I felt like him today, talking to those kids. And I met one Hispanic kid in there. One Hispanic kid throughout the whole day. It, and when I when he saw me, he was Hispanic because he didn't look. He looked more triganito than, than anything. Yeah. And I'm like, you do what? He's like, uh, Puerto Rican. I'm like, fool? He's like, yeah. Todo. <laughs> He's like, si, seguro, man. Todo, man. I'm like, then we, bless you. Then we says, hey, then he started speaking Spanish. I'm like, oh, man. Or he blew my mind. And so I'm like, man, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? That's when I got serious. I don't know what in me, what, what 
because the kids that were getting sitting in my chair, it was, they were telling me, you know, about themselves. It, it didn't even, you know, it, it was affecting me. It hit me. It was like, okay, damn, man, why y'all doing this here? But then when he told me he was Puerto Rican, it hurt me. Yeah, because you saw you at that age. Yes. <laughs> you saw you. Yes. yes, yes. It hurt me. It, it really almost brought tears to my eyes, man. Because I was like, man, what? You 17? He's like, yeah, I'm 17. Yo tengo, yo tengo un hija. Got one kid. I'm like, you got a kid? You're 17 with a kid? And you're in here? How long? He's like, I'm still going in and out of court. He's like, but I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my head up. Better. Better do that. But just know this, this can be over. It, it'll be over when you want it to be over. When you want this to be over, you want this, 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 all this nightmare to end. Once you choose a different path, I'm telling you, it'll be fruitful, man. It'll give you a lot of produce, man. You'll get a lot of fruit. Believe me when I say this, I was just here 20 years ago. He's like, what? 20 years ago? Yeah. Not here, but at the original yeah. juvenile center. <laughs> the jungle. That yeah, was St. Clair, right, right over there on St. Yes. Clair. Yes. And there's still COs in there that I see today. They see me. They was like, what, what, what the hell? I'm like, still working here? Oh, my God. They're like, yeah, 20 years later. How are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing wonderful. So do you plan on mentoring more? You plan on volunteering yes. more to do that stuff, to help the kids, yeah. to, you know, let them know that you've been there, done that, that it, it can, you can't overcome? Yes. I was not even supposed to go. I'm going to let, I'm gonna let you know that, too, because... Me having, I've been having trouble in school, mm. uh, car situation, and I had to take some time off of school, so my attendance kind of went down. And when your attendance goes down past a certain percentage, you cannot, uh, you know, participate in events like that. And today, out of all days, I just go in and Mr. Waverly, shout out to Mr. Waverly. You know, he's the owner of Urban Cuts. He's one of my instructors in school, and very, very, very intelligent man and uh he's a good good guy man he's he, he's with his no words he helps change you with no words he helps change you with just his actions who he is his presence he helps you and so he gave me the opportunity he came to me today he said uh yesterday he said i want you to go to the juvenile center he's like i'm gonna I'm 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 talk to them and i'm gonna get you in there he said but you have to take a state board uh practice now, that was a state, you know, you got to do all the shaving and all of that. They do practice tests every day. And he's like, you do this for me, I'll get you to go there. I can't give you service hours today, but you're going to get them tomorrow. Mm. I said, all right, bet, run it. Let's do it. And I loved it. I loved it. I was nervous. I was nervous of what the flashbacks was going to be, how I was going to feel, um, what emotions I was going to feel going back into a place like that. Uh, of cages behind the doors they had to lock uh, you know i had to turn around and the, the door locked behind me i'm like hold up wait a minute hold up hey i'm not locked up no more you don't have to lock yeah. the door but then i you know i realized i'm here for something else and then when mr waverly walked around and he said hey i don't want you just to be cutting hair talk to these kids it doesn't matter how you cut their hair i don't care if you mess they, these kids up do a good job, talk to them, plant the seed, let that grow. And bruh, it felt so good. 
I can't wait to go to school tomorrow, man, to tell, to really give this man a handshake and tell him thank you because he actually gave me what I needed. That was what I needed. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to keep up with you in a couple of months, man. I want to see your progress. We're going to get you back on. Hopefully your podcast is uh, is up and running yes. and we can chat again, man, and, and, and get this thing going, man. I, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I, I'm glad you were able to open up and let the audience know about your trials and tribulations that you went through and the way you overcame them. Um, continued, man, success. Wishing you all the success in the world. Um, hoping that things continue to go in your favor and, and we just, you know, you just keep working on you. That, I think that's the best thing possible. So I appreciate you coming on the show, my brother. Um, you're welcome you, back brother. on the show anytime. Uh, take it easy, folks. We'll talk to you next time. Take it easy.